0: Welcome to another episode of Michael Craver Presents. It is August 29th, 2020. One day removed from my late grandmother's birthday, born on that day of 19 and 21. So she would have been 99 uh, yesterday if she was still with us. I took a beautiful orchid uh, over and placed it on her headstone. She has uh, shared headstone with my grandfather who has an armed forces, he's got the, the brass uh, for his second lieutenant in, in the World War, part two. And in the middle of their two stones, and if you're a member of my social media or something, maybe you saw this, I didn't put it on my official stuff, but uh, they have a, I guess you would call it a planter, but anyway, there's a permanent Vos or vase, whatever, that uh, will always hold something of less than, let's say, four inches i think in in diameter so i had bought this this orchid that came in its own holder and and just put it right in the top and then texted as i do every year uh my wonderful stepmother and and told her after the fact i said now when it said after that thing sat there for a day or two and it served its purpose more or less i said now you guys take that and uh and go plant it Uh, on the homestead, and I don't know if they've done that in the past, I think last year I bought poinsettias for my grandmother, so, um, wonderful, uh, little tradition, and quite frankly, I don't know if I started this chain of events, or if I was just coincidentally part of it, but, uh, I checked my email a little bit later in the afternoon, and my cousin, who we call Squirrel, since I don't use anybody's real name on this podcast, um, she had sent a wonderful piece of appreciation out and put some, uh, pictures that we had of, of, uh, my grandmother into the email and, you know, talked about, you know, what a patient and understanding and kind woman. and Lots of, uh, Facebook comments, uh, on my picture and then also on, uh, some of the other members of my family posted their own pictures, um. Later than me, but I'm not saying I had anything to do with all that. Probably, but anyway, uh, they also had a lot of comments from from different people. We all have different circles of friends, so it's it's interesting to see that. Um, and and what a what a wonderful woman. And and I was thinking about my grandmother as I had put together the notes for this piece that I have yet to discuss. Um, you know, I'd I'd rather pay homage to her than. Mention uh some of the things my notes here i have I here that the show is now on spotify so we're on tune in iheart radio itunes tune in uh is also with something else which so it's got two names but google Podcasts is, is its own thing PodBeans, its old thing and now spotify so i think it's waiting to clear pandora we'll see what happens and uh no rush uh i don't you know it's the whole deal was escaping vanity now it's everywhere vanity was already everywhere let's, let's <laughs> it's not i was jogging down the road the other day and i said what if what if i just like the attention and i call it embracing vanity well, just change it and then i was trying to do the math in my head to the do the number of letters match up <laughs> okay escaping is e s c a p that's five letters i n g okay eight letters embracing hmm e m b r a See oh one letter too many can't just flip it out like that, but um oh, my grandmother's birthday I was very happy with that to get out of the house, deliver something nice um took a photograph and and dressed up in a shirt uh one of my my, my secret uh is that I <coughs> get a lot of shirts um, excuse me for the coffin um as the undertaker says, excuse me for the coffin um Got drill company. It's D R I L L, like you know, like the tool, uh, C O dot. And so if you you're on eBay or somewhere you want to look up drill company shirts, they do sell them, but the retail price is significantly more than you could buy the. Uh, well, they're not aftermarket shirts. They're they're used shirts. They're old shirts, but uh, I've had some good quality out of them, and uh, I guess. Pearl snap is that? The, that's, I believe that's the name I found, or Western snap. Many of them. The reason I come across them have the metal snaps in the shirt. Like Dusty Rhodes was talking about how he, he liked the metal snap shirts uh, when he was uh, getting famous and, and had a little luxury in his clothing. Well, I found these shirts. Then usually I can get one from anywhere between five and t- sometimes less, and 12 bucks. Some people who have had them in... Uh, they hold them in a higher regard. There's a, way, a good way to say it, and they're priced differently. Uh, but you could you could find most of them for something less than a T-shirt everywhere else that you're going, really. So uh, having a nice button-down shirt, that's, that's my thing. And uh, a little honey bourbon. And... You might want to pay attention if you're looking for something nice for your guy, for your dad, for whoever. No, it's not going to come with the tags on it, but because of the amount of the volume of clothing that's out in the world, I also get my Banana Republic shirts off of eBay like that. I don't know what they retail for. It's got to be upper sixties to a hundred and something dollars, maybe. Same prices, ten bucks, whatever. Really nice Banana Republic shirts, um, and it was you know something something really cool. Um, <coughs> I added to my wardrobe while I was, um, just playing around, you know, I was looking at shirts. I thought, hey, let's put in Banana Republic. Let's put in Wrangler. Let's put in Drill Company and uh, played around with some different ones. I cannot, I think it's called Pendleton is the other one that I have. That's one of these Western snap metal button shirts. Uh, so when I find one from one company, I will just put that company in, look for some more. That's my thing. But I dressed up the point of that being in a nice drill company shirt that I thought my grandmother would appreciate. Um, probably not the most popular one I have. I think she would have liked it. Um, and uh, said a few words and, and rode down the road. And I surprised Mr. 19, which is it's my number for my father, by the way. Wore number 19 while he played for um, college baseball. Pfeiffer University he also... Uh, won the USSSB World Softball Championship with that number. I went and took him some books. All of his cars were home, but I don't know what he was doing. So when I pulled in the driveway, I snuck in the garage. I had the window of his van, the driver's window was down, so I let the books just sit in his driver's seat. I don't know if he's gotten them until today. I, I texted him today and said, hey, you know, you should go get that... Uh, orchid uh that i left for and i just call her mary mildred but my grandmother's uh great oh i don't use names on this podcast well she's deceased a wonderful woman mary mildred and said go get that orchid bring it home to your wife and plant it or something and didn't mention the books i assume he's going to know the books are like that's my thing i just kind of show up sometimes i got books I get them from Goodwill, other places. A lot of times eBay has books cheap. They're much cheaper than if you go to, to a used bookstore like McKay's or Amazon or whatever. eBay's books are the cheapest that I've seen. Uh, aside from you know, using the... If you're doing it on digital and you want to steal books through the torrents and the PDF files and read them on digital devices, I'll leave that hijacking up to your own accord. But uh, to have the actual book in hand, excellent way to do it. Collected some. Uh, I think I had some Robert Parkers, who is the guy who wrote. um, They're called um, Hitch and Cole novels. One of my favorite movies is Appaloosa from 2008. And just the dynamic that those two characters have is is amazing. I bought my dad. I was going to look at it, and I was like, I'm going to give him the Appaloosa book for Christmas. Excellent. There's nine of them. I think there's maybe more now. But anyway, Robert Parker, the guy who started the series, died and I, I don't remember the other guy's name, but he took over the series, and he still calls it Robert Parker's, you know, as if it's it's his theme. Uh, and then he's got another, this, this um, I, know, I believe there's a, a, a large number of books of these covert spy type, you know, espionage kind of books that he has uh, as well. So I'd, I'd gotten him one of those espionage books. He already had all the westerns. And seemed like a biography of Cal Ripkin of michael j fox uh unbridled I think is the book that uh, tells the story of seabiscuit uh and then my my uh memory's gonna elude me when it comes to like the last two but anyway lewis I think it was a Lewis Grizzard book who' a wonderful you know thinker and comedian, whatever from the nineties and I don't know that he's not still relevant today. Louis Gazard was never my thing, but he was for my dad. So I got him uh, Louis Gazard. And um, you grow up and you appreciate or you catalog those things in the back of your mind. Now, whether people as adults run across these things over and over again, like I do, like if I pull up my music library here, on my d- external hard drive, I have everything that's ever been released, and they've continued to release new albums if people who have petitioned them um, from guys like Harry Chapin and James Taylor and Sills and Crofts and John Denver, Neil Diamond, and the, the guys that were played on the home stereo at my house. So the more that I think about things like my grandmother and about being a great listener, which was the idea that I wanted to purvey. Uh, I think about the things that I listened to and the values that are in those things. And, you know, could John Denver's got the old, you know, country roads, and he's got things about, you know, the environment and the mountains and everything. Um, and the, the same is true for a lot of people. Harry Chapin was a champion of world hunger. It's called Why Hunger uh, was the charity. And I think they still exist, but he died in a car accident in 81, before I was ever able to, you know, see him or listen to him or anything. Love is music. The guy died at, you know, just around the age that I am, 39. So I listen to a lot of Harry Chapin. I bet my dad still does too. But the irony that I think of some of those things is that I listen to, you know, you, you appreciate some of the things you grew up in. And then you think as an adult, like you put pieces together. Maybe they didn't put together. Maybe it's a coincidence. My dad's favorite baseball player, number 21. Pirates had to be Roberto Clemente, right? Roberto Clemente died on a sort of a refugee kind of food flight uh, to feed hungry people um, in December of, I guess, 71, 71. After he won the MVP and the World Series and everything on top of the world. Here he is flying down to his homeland to, to feed hungry people. It's um interesting to think of things like that because one of the major things as far as listening goes for me is I have this defect. I would call it a defect, a flaw. It's my natural uh the the, the route of things for me, the way they naturally flow, does not go, that river does does not flow through the same areas as other people. My river has been diverted or dammed up or maybe it just never went that way. The erosion was different. But I don't do well with understanding people's uh, feeling and emotion and the things that they tie into something. If you told me I feel this way about something. I go great. That's your feeling, and I've talked about this at great length on this podcast. That's your value, right? I don't know what your value is, so it's great. That's part of your feelings, but like here is the actual math behind what's going on. So, what do you want me to do with your feelings? Because it doesn't change the the facts or nature, right? Oh, I you know, and I talked about this in the last podcast. But, oh, I don't want to wash my hands. And a friend of mine accused me of making light of this unfortunate handicapped fellow who didn't like to wash his hands at a Brinker restaurant. And he was he was shown the uh, he was put on the runway. Or that that's a house next to a runway, isn't it? He was given the terminal status uh, for his lack of effort in hygiene. I, don't, I, I guess I don't know which one hurt his feelings more, the loss of the, the job or the fecal matter on his hands. But it was one of those things where, you know, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And I think of it like that all the time in whatever people are telling me about stuff. You know, it's... <coughs> I just compartmentalize the idea that you might be offended or hurt or whatever. And that's... Like collateral damage for the truth is the way I look at it, and it, it's it does not do me any favors when it comes to talking to people because they they get upset or they they ignore you, they block you. They i give you a good example I'm out to dinner. Um, you know, the girl I call my, my soulmate, I'm out to dinner with her. She's telling me she's listening to this other podcast. doesn't bother me, I don't listen to any podcasts. But she says, I was listening to the Skinny Confidential, and I said, hold on. Isn't this podcast public for everybody to hear? What's so confidential about it? And she said, oh, my God, you found something about everything. And I was like, yeah, I mean, but it like I couldn't call my retail store Top Secret and then just let everybody in because then it wouldn't be Top Secret. Why is it called Confidential? I was like, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't seem like a good name. And she just said, oh, it's always something. And she is, like, slamming. She's hunting stuff down on the plate that's getting out from underneath her fork. Just ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and she's eating. Oh. And I think about this girl. What Do I have a nickname for her? I don't. Uh, <laughs> this girl I used to date knew about her uh, because she was one of my exes. But she saw her picture and she called her Chipmunk. Um. That's not flattering. If she hears this, I don't think of her like that. Uh, it's just uh, No other nickname comes to mind. Bubbly. Yes, she always used to call herself Bubbly on different things, resume, whatever. So we'll call her Bubbles. Uh, not like the joke where you blow Bubbles. Okay. And, oh, Bubbles. She would get upset and tell me, like, Oh, you made me so mad! Like it was like she's like nobody in the world can make me as mad as you can make me. What did it come from? It came from this. I'm a good listener. I know what pushes all of your buttons. Like I I know the goods, the bands, what to say in a beautiful note, what to do to you know to be kind and, and oh I remember you said you were hungry, so I brought you a snack. You know all the little things. You know I get that from my mother too. Um I don't have a nickname for mom. We'll just call her Joe. Um, because that's what I call my daughter, and I call her I call her Mrs. Joe. Um, but her name ain't Joe. (laughs) Joe Mama. That's why we'll call her that. So mom is the best at like going out shopping. She's with you, she's listening to some conversation she's having with you. And when you mention something, she's got in her head this Rolodex or this this she just captures that like a screenshot, and she will go run and grab that item, write it down. I don't really know how she does it. I've never asked, but it'll show up on a birthday, unexpected Christmas. It'll be something you mentioned a long time ago and you forgot about. You wouldn't have got it for yourself, but she was listening, okay? Bubbles would be upset, and this was in 16, right? So Trump was running for office. And I, I had gone on eBay and bought one of these, like, you know, Trump for president shirts just to hang it in the closet and just rile her up. I'm not registered to vote. Anybody's going to jump on me. If you're going to write into the show, do social media, inbox me, I ain't registered and I don't care. And it, it doesn't bother me. I watched and I grew up on Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor. I, I think I had this debate in my head the other day because it comes off like that. That Brewster's Millions, let's punch it in, is a John. Landon. Uh, John Landis? L-A-N-D-I-S. He, it's a John Landis film um, which stars John Candy and Richard Pryor. But the premise is that he has to spend X number of dollars to then get his fortune, which is like $300 million. And one of the things he does is he runs a campaign for office for everybody to vote for none of the above. And that's the way I think of it. It's a Walter Hill film who directed a lot ...of quality westerns. Aha. So anyway... (coughs) Mom keeps all of that stuff in her Rolodex, in her mind. And that's what she does. And I keep good and bad things in my mind. And it was something about... Oh, it's the cheese. the cheese. I have written on this note card here that I say memorable things. And I do. Some of them good, some of them bad. This is one of them. I used to write notes around the restaurant and say um, the winemakers of America are voting for Trump because he's going to make American grapes again. And uh, one of them was about the late Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I'm not voting for Trump. I'm not voting for Hillary. I'm voting for Kobe Bryant. And he, I remember old Mr. Fuji, he says, What? Kobe? I said, Yeah, I'm voting for Kobe. He's gonna make America rape again," (laughs) he said. "Good God, man!" And which you know, probably not the most tasteful statement, but uh, false allegation. You know, so uh, obviously, you know, the lady dropped the charges. No harm in that. Just free speech. Just bad humor. Anyway, um, old Bubbles is 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 actually living with me. Uh, We're a thing uh, because I'm a great guy. She had told me that she had. been fighting cancer and i told her she'd come live with me and i'd take care of everything so there's there's the true story behind that anyway uh as she's there uh we have a relationship and there are times where we push each other's buttons and i was opening the fridge she's getting ready to go to work uh at the olive garden i believe and uh I, I, i stopped calling stuff by the real name No restaurants have real names on this podcast either, so we'll just call it Darden. Darden owns them. So from now on, it's Darden. Go to the refrigerator. Here's the cheese. I'm looking at the cheese. Ah, ah, okay. And I go to the bedroom, and I said, look, if you're going to work, you're going to make a pit stop on the way, you're going to come back here and bring me what I need, because all that's in my refrigerator is block cheese, And, and I can't live with that. Because we know what the future of this country is. And we have to have shredded cheese. We have to make sure that America grates again. And she, she said, "Oh, I hate you and Trump. And it, was just, it was just the dumbest. I thought it was one of the more far-fetched pieces of comedy that I said at the time. And... She what she made this, you know, you make the distinction. Once I've done five or six of these, you know where it's going because of the cadence. It's make America X again. Tom Morello and I have one of these hats because I bought it to pay good money for it. Came up with the Rage Against the Machine hats to make America rage again. And I've worn that hat around. You get some crazy looks. And I'm like, this is Rage Against the Machine, butt face. So people are are, are odd like that. You know, they're not listening, they're not reading. You know, and at the end of the day, all I was looking for is to be able to, to, to put some color in her face and and brighten her day up, a little laugh. Uh, you know, but people can't get that mad about anything unless they love whatever's going on, right? People, the first step, I've said this many times, you're going to hear this here, the first step in any process is to give a fuck. And if you don't, then you get mad about stuff. You're complacent, which is... A great way to win at Scrabble, but it's no way to go through life. And I just, I've found that the lessons from my grandmother, from my mother, for, to, to be a great listener, um, have, have benefited me in many areas. But I've found that the more philosophical that I get, the more that I have these podcasts, the more that I have conversations where, where people want to argue, I come up with these very underlying ways, like right at the foundation. That when I'm going back and forth with someone, I'm able to just drop them like stone cold. And it's hard on me because I don't like for anybody. I'm I'm empathetic, so I don't want to say that to somebody. I feel like I have the ability to go from zero to positive 10 to build you up to say the nicest things you're ever going to hear. Great combinations, whatever it might be, right? And I feel like I equally have the ability to go from zero to negative 10 and, and make you feel like, oh, my God. So, (laughs) all of those tools are in the the box, but I don't like doing that. However, because I listen, I have that, maybe you would call it sociopath, I don't know, but I have this ability to sort of separate between the two. Yeah, they're going to feel this way, but like this has got to be said so they can feel that way and then they'll know how it feels and then they won't do it anymore. I've always like let people make the mistakes, walk through the mud, or whatever, and then look at them and go, hey, there's mud all over your shoes. Why didn't you tell me? Because if I'd have told you, you'd have been a jackass about it. That's why. You didn't try to tell me I told you so. I know. Whatever. So I'm gonna let you make the mistake. And then afterwards, I can say you were in charge. 100 percent of the way through the last thing. Here's how it turned out. So now we should do it differently because obviously you don't have the method for success. Right? You had complete control. It failed. Here's the result. So now we're going to do something as a team effort or my effort or whatever. And quite frankly, I I don't harbor any feelings for anybody when that stuff happens. That's for sure. Um, you know, I just I don't know what to think about like where the reaction is going to go. It could go anywhere. They could be decimated. They they might get mad about it and just, just want to fight with you. Maybe they're never going to speak to you again. I don't know. Um, but I think to myself, well, while it's happening, like, well, this is the right thing. Like, you gotta let it happen and then use it as an example. And anything else that you do around that is just sort of, um, it's fair play. I mean, you're doing a commentary on a mistake that somebody's making. It's not like I'm causing them. I'm not steering them into disaster and then mocking them about it. I'm observing, I'm listening, and then I'm, okay, well, that's insensitive. I mean, you could yeah, I could have I done a lot of things. I could have grabbed you and pulled you out of the fire or whatever. Like, it's not between health and safety. This is not life and liberty. This is a, a trivial mistake. And written in one of my books, the first thing I wrote when I opened that book, the third page uh, in my case over there. Got this little spiral notebook, I believe from like a Marshalls. Maybe you've got discount stores in your area that sell the you know three ninety nine, five ninety nine, the little journals, right? This one says, uh, "Not all those who wander are lost" on the front, whatever. And I opened it to about the third page, and I wrote in the top of that third page in red ink. It's a quote <coughs> from somebody else, and and I'm big on uh, original uh, folks getting their uh, credit. Um, the quote is that people are allowed to make absent-minded mistakes. And I wrote that thinking, that's not bad at all. Because I just can't, like, for the life of me, understand like crucifying somebody and never speaking to them again or anything like that over the idea that They've done something really silly or something careless, reckless, maybe. But, I mean, it it's not the end of the world. Um, I, I, I don't know any other way to break it down into giving it some sort of minimal value. But if you're not <laughs> putting... Anything of great value on the line and compromising, you know, a, a, a big investment or a life or whatever, then it's a, a simple mistake, and often it is absent-minded. They're not thinking; they're just, oh, he, oh, he stepped in a hole, broke his ankle. What were you doing, huh? Weren't you paying attention? Uh, what is that? Doesn't get you anywhere. To me, if you're not talking about a solution, if you're not coming together, what are you doing? It's breath that could be used in a, in a better direction. You know that that's time that could be repurposed. As I've been, I've been using that word a lot. Repurposed. What, what's it do for you? Every time that you go to have some menial conversation and and you say, you know, hey, I really missed you. Oh, did you? And I just, I just, what, what is that supposed to represent? Like I'm saying that I missed you. Are you listening to like the? That's a good thing. That's a positive thing. That's a reinforcement. It's, quite frankly, it's optimism that you're, you're building towards something. You're trying to either liven them up, make you feel better. You're trying to communicate your affection or affirmation for something. And yet here's people who are not listening. And people who are looking at it and they're going, oh, did you miss me? Oh, because people don't usually say that to me unless they've done something wrong or whatever. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? This accusatory nonsense where people just like, you know, hey, can I see your phone? Why do you need to see my phone? Is there something I can do for you? No, I need to see your phone. Oh, yeah, like, you know, the sheriff's going to come knock on your door and he's going to say, "Hey, uh, we want to just search your house." Really? Do you? Cuz I don't think that's constitutional. That's my 4th and 5th amendment rights here. You know, you're not going to put me over here and seize me and then search this and then No. No thanks. Now, that is part of your rights. So if somebody in a relationship with you tries to give you a bunch of nonsense, oh yeah, I should be able to go through your phone. And do, 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 do. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this under your name? Are you paying for it? Are you? Because courts won't even open phones for people that have killed somebody. There have been murder trials. There's one a very famous one in New York where they petitioned Apple to unlock phones for stuff for the FBI. Won't do it. The Constitution is that strong. And your girlfriend wants to go through your messages or whatever the you know because because why insecurity, but it's accusatory, and it's it's there's nothing positive that comes out of any of that you know. I, and I've looked at people who have said that to me. Oh, I'm gonna go through your phone, and, uh, and I said, all right. So tell you what, what's in it for me when there is nothing in the phone? Well, then you'll have my no, because I don't value that. I want something of value to me. But the right. Now I've thrown your scale off because you had already measured this. And you said, well, uh, if this happens, uh, I'm going to cut your balls off. And if this happens, uh, then I guess we'll be okay. And I go, no, I'm not going from 0 to negative 10. like That's, that's the only scale that I get anything out of it. I'm going to throw this phone to you and, and end up somewhere between 0 and negative 10. Now, where is the 0 to the positive 10 that I am looking for, right? Because I have no problem with this situation. Here you go. Now, what are you putting on the line? Well, we're, we're risking something, apparently. You want to go through this and risk, you know, whatever consequences for me. There should be consequences for you. What happens when you accuse somebody of a crime falsely? What happens when you file a false police report? Hmm? There's no consequences for when you lie? <laughs> well, you're the liar. Oh, we're going we're to go through this. And when I'm not... You're the accusatory person who falsely accused me of something, and now you're libelous. This is the same as the shopkeeper who grabs somebody, accuses them of stealing, then they didn't. So there needs to be a settlement. So you figure out what that's going to be and what you're willing to negotiate, right? And then we'll go down the path of, there's the phone. Let's go. Hmm. That way we all risking something. But it's, be- it's because of my feelings, you know, and and you don't value my... No, only you value your feelings. I'm not saying that I'm not going to be, like, in the best frame of mind if you're sitting there upset, because that ruins everybody's night. Now we got to pick you up, drag you along, and help you. And, yeah, cause that's how it is. It's like having a sick person on a hiking expedition. You know, you're not up to standards. You're not up to par. You're not healthy in this situation. Guess what? we all got to slow down, or we've got to throw you, you know, into a... a A gurney or whatever, and you know, tote you along at a slower speed because you're the weakest link. Don't be the weakest link, don't be the one accusing people and doing all that nonsense. If you have some proof of whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to say, lay it out there, man. Do your homework. But there's a reason that you can't get a search warrant without probable cause and go in front of a judge. Just don't just here you go. They deny search warrants more than they issue them. Why? Because people don't have enough evidence on the front end to justify what might be on the back end of the search warrant. And it's just, it's so sad to watch that because it's almost like if you knew what qualified for the search and seizure, then you would have been listening along the way. You would know where those little benchmarks are, right? You'd have these tabs in your head or these little boxes that you check off and you go, okay, Got him, all four. Show me the phone, motherfucker. You know, you can ask. He still may not show it to you because that's freedom. You're you're involving yourself in his freedom. That is one of the constitutional rights, you know, uh, to, to not be searched. So, plus it's free speech anyway. If, you know, you could, I, I suppose you have a case for something like that. Uh, if it were admissible or maybe you could get him to, but if he wouldn't unlock his phone, I'm I'm unaware of how that would play out. Quite frankly, if a guy refused to to, um, unlock his phone or uh, attempted to to use that same scale of privacy for, let's say, a divorce hearing, where there's where the evidence is. Here in North Carolina, we have something called alienation of affection. So if someone is married, uh, they become attached to somebody else while they're married, leave that person that they're married to. So A and B are married. B is C and C. If B leaves... The marriage to go be with C and something was going on while the marriage was still happening. A can sue C for alienation of affection. And then they can also win spousal money and, and what do you, what do you call that? Uh, alimony or what all this other stuff in court that happens within the two people of the marriage. You can also involve the third person that they may or may not be, you know, may or may not end up with, but the third person uh, can be held um, in some sort of financial and otherwise responsibility for breaking the marriage up. That's the way the law is written. That's the way it plays out. So, you know, in those situations, it's everybody's responsibility to, you know, know where you stand. Even in the darkest of night, uh, you may be able to tell where you are without your vision just by by listening. Mm, Yeah. And, I look at the, the ways of the world and think back to, you know, like my grandmother. I used to walk across, I guess it's three-tenths of a mile from the old 19's house over to, to M&M, Mary Mildred, and to Eminem's ms house. And <laughs> I would go see M&M on a daily basis, and she would rap to me, which is kind of what happened. I'd go over to Grandma's house. The basketball set right in the edge of the garage, I'd grab it, shoot some hoops. She'd offer me a cheese toast, which was always wheat bread, and it was this sharp wheel cheese that came from a factory in Asheville, North Carolina. West Jefferson it is. Um and it was it was great. You know, she'd bake that in the oven on this bread and it was oh, so good and so greasy, so good. And just you know, we would go inside and she would tell me stories. She'd pull out books. Family stuff. Tell me where they were in the war, where they moved for this, where this person was born. Other family members are located here. It's the people that are corresponding with each other. Just little things about like where she grew up and she would go through these old histories of, of Davidson County, North Carolina. We had different books that uh, they had. And, and a lot of books that were in my grandfather's living room were stuff like the public education but or the public budget for the county for like whatever year and you could pull it out and you could see what teacher salaries were and firefighters and it was all published was in a book. I don't know if they do that now. But um obviously online you would think that stuff like that is a matter of public record. I don't know if they actually publish and sell the hardback books like that. Maybe you could get them from the the county seat or something. But we'd go through all that stuff and talk about all kinds of things. And people would come into the other people would come to visit my grandmother, which was one of the more fun things. It was always like Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street or something. Her brothers that were cutting down trees and working on power lines and had been fishing and put pontoon boats and whatever, they would come through and say hello, and you'd hear those stories and watch these how adults interact, and then you're trying to get in this conversation. So as a child of five, six to ten years old, I would continuously be interacting with adults, and in the context and the tempo and the topics of discussion were those mature just events that were happening between these people and family people and community stuff. so that's what's always had my eye. It was I don't know, more focused I didn't have to tear it up to get to there whereas kids nowadays, you know, they're they're still after they get out of college, you know, everything's still about their friends and what about high school and they're watching the the high school movies on Netflix and Hulu and the girl old soulmate. Uh the girl that I was dating, she she would put on, you know, different stuff about education. I mean, it, it, college I guess is one kind of thing cuz she was still 20 something, but like once you're watching high school shows and stuff, I just looked at it and I said, "Why? We're not watching Nickelodeon. We're not watching PG. It's not. It's not designed for us. And we've already lived through all of that. What could possibly be entertaining about some of this stuff? Well, you know, because like as an adult, I could never watch Saved by the Bell or something. It's just you know, it doesn't hold the my attention span for one and two. Like the level of intellectual exchange is just not there for me. Like I love watching the videos on YouTube and listening to, um, what is the guy's Robert, uh, it'll come to me in a minute, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, um, what, what, is it Dave, Oh my goodness. Steven Crowder's got his stuff. People listen to Joe Rogan. They listen to, to, to people like Bill Burr and Tom Segura and these, these comedians who have different social takes on stuff. Maybe you just like watching Jeff Ross roast people, but he has to know all these personal things to be able to roast people. And I just... It's interesting. If you're watching guys like Sam Harris who are you know debating intellectual things, Or there's all kinds of video for the late uh, Christopher Hitchens who I love to watch just carve people up he's got this just matter of fact doesn't ever have to raise his voice this wit that he has is just it's it's so crisp and it's so well thought out i mean he's a writer who who does this stuff and i just go man you know dave rubin that's that's who i'm thinking of dave rubin report there's a wonderful video it was my it made my month I was looking for a video that might have Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro together. They're on the Dave Rubin show for about two and a half hours, and they just go back and forth. And if you understand the things they're discussing, if you've read those books, or you understand the the social context of what's going on, man, what a, what a fun thing to watch! Um, it's like watching your your elders in debate, like what's going to happen, and they're fully informed about stuff, and they're they're. You know, they're considering points of view and the little things that are around the community or the, the world that you may not be thinking about when you're making your decision. Oh, wait a minute. A affects D, F, G, H. V. Yeah, it, it affects everything on down the line, right? And People don't, they're not listening. They're not thinking like that. I'm going to go stop by the dollar store and I'm going to get... Okay, and you're going to go buy something that was manufactured somewhere else in a chain store, and this guy who works there, I don't know if he lives in the community, but at the end of the day, the, the trucks that come to that place are not from your community. So every dollar you spend is going out. It's leaving your town. And often it's leaving your country. So what are you really doing for yourself by having a Dollar General in your community? You're adding plastic to, to what your landfill and a bunch of nonsense. They're low-quality items. That's why they cost what they do. Often, you don't know the cost of those things until later, and there's not been a whole lot of studies done because there's so many things out in the world. But the more stuff they study from overseas, I mean, the, the GNC products are all, always tainted with different things. The flooring from China is, is terrible with toxins and carcinogens and things. The, the motor cars that we get that they say are the most premium things, the BMWs. The Volvos, the Mercedes, they're all as dirty as can be. And this has been studied independently by people who do road tests for emissions because those cars are programmed with their computer chips. They've got that smart system, right? And when they're sitting still and they're in a testing setting, it activates the ecological mechanisms on that car that keep it clean. So here it's going through this filter and it's making it so there's not as much going out into the ozone layer. The pollution is not what it could be. Guess what? When it's out there running around the road, those things are not activated. It's just running raw and it's putting out, you know, five, six, eight times the actual pollution that is allowable by the EPA standards. And what's it doing? You know, it ain't burning clean. It's actually messing your neighborhood up a lot more than it should be. And you're deaf to that. For the most part, because people just take everybody's word for it, they all these companies police themselves. Everything you know, the food packing industry is very much like this. Their inspectors for the food packing industry work for the companies they're inspecting. They're inspecting themselves. It's on the honor system, like with the IRS. So you think, oh, Trump has been hiding money and he's been doing other. It's the honor system, right? You got to go audit him and go do all this craziness to try to verify what's going on with his tax return. But at the end of the day, how many of you guys are out there running around that you're listening to this? My fellow folks from the restaurant, from the Phoenix. Uh, you under-report your tips. You made $150 tonight. You reported nothing. You got paid 2 13 an hour, five hours, four hours. So on the books, you made $8.52. You walked out of there with $150 in your hand. Now, where is that money? You're talking about defund the police. You already did. You didn't pay taxes on a gigantic percentage of your income. You've lied about your income. And it affects all of us. Why? Why do you think the schools and everything, and the, and the bridges and everything are in the condition they're in? It used to be that an overwhelming percentage, almost all of the income that was flying around was at least on the taxable range. You know, and people had more integrity, quite frankly. And now, you know, people are handyman. They work for paparazzi and Herbalife and all these multi-level marketing. They're pyramid schemes. And between those things and they're only fans and you can PayPal me and Venmo and Cash App me and they're trading money off the radar for services. That's how they make their living. That's how they pay all their bills. And they're not paying taxes. And then they want to b- cry the blues about how the system is broken and they're not contributing. Now, if you're defrauding everybody, you, do you run into Walmart as a shoplifter and try to tell them how to run their place? I mean, you know. If there's anything that you could add to the discussion, it would be hey, you know, you need more guys at the door, more LP people, more loss prevention people, or whatever, because here's what I've been doing. No, you don't, you know, because you're. Your actions are disingenuous. They're counterproductive, and I don't know why. As as uh, w- come on, Anthony, you got, you know what's coming. You don't have to go to the zoo to see the hypocrites, right? Here's these motherfuckers running around. They've stolen a, a tremendous amount of money, in terms of the, their earning percentage. They have. If you would have made one hundred and fifty-eight dollars and fifty-two cents, but you only reported eight dollars and fifty-two cents. You tell me. We can break that math down. You know, 8 out of 60 is you know, what divided by 4 you got 40 and and 2. So 2 40ths, you're recording what about 6% of your income. Ooh. What a rebel you must be. Just It's so sad to watch that. Because here you are like the people in the world who are just they're not in touch with their community they're not in touch with the people around them the reason you can't open the doors because you don't see the guy coming you don't wave and you ain't watching so here's the guy and he runs over the jogger and you're like oh no what a tragedy yeah because nobody told him not to be on his you know what well, we told him he wasn't listening he was on his cell phone right right and the guy running had his earpods in and he wasn't listening for no cars So what happens? Tragedy happens when people are not listening. That's why I've always appreciated what Mary Mildred gave to me. I'm listening. I may not always have the compassion that goes along with, you know, being able to tell people in some very sanctimonious or or very sensitive way that what they're doing is wrong, right? You know, and it, and it goes back to methodology. There's a lot of places I've worked where they'll try to give you that. We're going to tell you two positives before we tell you a negative. And they try to balance it out like that. Other people I've worked for are very matter-of-fact. They just look you straight in the eye and they're like, here's what's messed up. You going to fix it or not? And I understand. But you got to listen because they're telling you. And I talked about this in other podcasts. I mean, you you want to know what to do to make more money at your workplace. Look around you. Be listening. What's what were the other people who were making more money doing? Maybe go up to the guy in charge and say, "Hey, I want to make some more money." He goes, "All right, well, here's what it would take." Or you may listen to him say, "No, you know, it's just it's not it's not possible." And he may do it one way or another way. He may say, "I I feel sorry for you. What, what, what's your situation? And what can I do to help you?" I'm listening. I'm really listening. And there's another side of him, possibly. Who's going to sit there and go, nope, yep, No. look, go back to work. Then, you know, leave your family and stuff out of this. (laughs) But I'm here. I'm working to pay the bills. Everybody's working for different reasons. Get back on the line. You know, (laughs) it just, it's something I've been working on for a long time. And, and the more I talk about this the more I see how it you know can make people so mad I just you know I think about it and I go ah. is it in is that level of mad unhealthy and I've seen it be unhealthy and I've been the cause of that and there's some causes you want to be part of and some you don't so I am pledging by the end of the year anyway I want to make a, a lot of great progress with this so I got a, a good four months right September October November December we've got uh, four months to try to be a better listener um, and if I'm able to keep people's names off the podcast consciously and do it and keep myself out of a lot of other trouble that is otherwise like very risky and you know then uh, yeah I I'm making myself a conscious effort right here in front of everybody to if you're having an interaction with me, and you're like, Hey, Michael, you don't understand my feelings. If I say, look, I understand your feelings, all right? But you might be a little too sensitive. Like, here, here is reasonably sensitive, and here, oh, that's not up to you. Look, all right. Here's the level of sensitive that I am willing to give credit for, okay? And here's what I think is unreasonably sensitive, okay? So you can have your level of, of feeling, and I'm going to put it into my scale here we're going to put it through my filter and then we're going to find some middle ground maybe you know maybe i'm not giving you enough credit maybe i'm giving you too much credit i mean there's, it, it works both ways but i hope everybody is enjoying themselves it's been a beautiful saturday um despite what i just had to say uh some very ugly things about a man from the british isles um on the internet uh i've, I've been a, a relatively productive guy i got my i've been running a lot more um a lot of push-ups and sit-ups leg lifts every single day uh, I just want to be in a better routine and a better place and I've had people tell me that you, oh man I can tell a big difference in like you know this and that I'll tell you that when I step on the scale it's almost the same so I don't know if I'm turning as the kindergarten cop as as uh, his name is Kimball he's not Richard Kimball maybe he is but uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the kindergarten teacher Mr. Kimball. And he says, we're going to turn your mush into muscles. And, and and so maybe that's what I'm doing. I'm not losing weight. But I can tell you in my genes, like, it's uh, a little more room. So I appreciate if you're here with me this far into this podcast, I guess you know how to listen. Let's see what we do with it, you know. You guys have a beautiful weekend. What's left of it? Have a great week. Thank you for spending your time on me. If you want to share this, do so. Do it on your platform of your choice. Share it everywhere. Like I said, it's on iHeartRadio. We're now on uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Podbean, Spotify. Maybe there'll be more by the time I, I record the next podcast. But you guys, take care of yourselves. And If you got some feedback, don't hesitate. Shoot it right into my inbox right where it belongs. Take care of yourselves.